Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode 14. Today, we'll be reviewing season three, episodes nine and 10 of The Walking Dead with the lens of loyalty. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing great. It's hump day. Yes. And I'm still thinking about the Met Gala dresses. Yes, they were gorgeous. I love the theme, Heavenly Bodies. Really cool. Yeah, and I can't believe Katy Perry's wings. Those were humongous. Can you imagine having to get into your seat if you have to go down a row? (laughs) How did she sit down? And then the people behind her. Yeah, I'm hoping she took them off. Just I'm for that. sure she did. <laughs> but it's just funny thinking about it. Yeah. Um, well, I did see her trying to go into one of the doors. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, and she was going sideways into it. <laughs> Bless your heart, Katy yeah. Perry, for being daring at the hey. Met Gala. Who did also you like? I really liked Rihanna's look, mm-hmm. and I just love her. And I also thought Cardi B came in popping, even though she's pregnant. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Uh-huh. But they all did a really good job with the theme. Sometimes I watch the Met Gala mm-hmm. and I'm like, this doesn't go with the theme at all. Yeah. But this year, I feel like they all really nailed it. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else happening? Um, You know, Mother's Day is rolling around mm-hmm. and that's always fun. So happy Mother's Day Thank to everyone you. and to you because you're a cool mom. Oh, I thought you meant me originally. <laughs> well, I do mean you. You're the coolest mom in you. Besides your that. mom. Besides my mom. But, you know, you're cool in a different way. Like yeah. you're like rock and roll yeah. cool. <laughs> awesome. I like it. You hear that, boys? Yes. <laughs> Listen up. Just kidding. <laughs> Alrighty, let's do a recap. Okay, Season 3, Episode 9, The Suicide King. Merle and Daryl are pitted against each other to fight until death in the (laughs) arena. And Andrea pleads with the governor to stop the fight, but he doesn't. As the fighting begins, Rick and the group shoot and throw in a grenade, which allows Merle and Daryl to escape as walkers make it into Woodbury. Rick and the group meet up with Glenn and Michonne and no one except Daryl, is happy Merle is there. Merle tells Michonne that Andrea... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I haven't heard you do that in a long time. I know. Andrea. Sorry. Merle tells Michonne that Andrea is sleeping with the governor and everyone realizes Andrea is alive. (laughs) The group make it clear that Merle is not welcome and Daryl decides to go off with his brother. Glenn is mad at Rick for not killing the governor because of what he did to Maggie and stomps on a walker's head. In Woodbury, Martinez threatens the residents and Andrea calms the situation. But then walkers appear and mall residents, including Richard. The governor comes out and shoots Richard with no emotion and walks away. Andrea talks to the governor and says, we are at war. Later, Andrea reassures the townspeople with inspiring words. Back at the prison, Tyrese and Sasha prevent Ben and Alan from ambushing the group. Later, Rick talks to Tyrese and his group and tells them that they can't stay. And then suddenly he sees a vision of Lori and yells, get out, which scares the heck out of everyone. And Glenn escorts the new group out before the situation gets worse. Alrighty, so season three, episode 10, Home. Wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. I was so (laughs) bored during this episode. I really only enjoyed the parts with Merle, Daryl, Glenn, and Maggie. Anyway, Governor tells Andrea 
she should be the leader of Woodbury now. She asks, <laughs> so you're abdicating? <laughs> Her vocabulary is just golden. Anyway, Glenn is wrestling with the fact that Maggie got molested by the governor, so this causes friction within their relationship. And Rick is still seeing hallucinations of Lori in a wedding dress at that. <laughs> Daryl and Merle confront the issues that they had with each other before the apocalypse and then return to the prison, assisting Rick in killing walkers while the governor attacks and headshots Axel. Okay, Diana, let's talk about the theme of loyalty. Where did you see it in these two episodes? I saw it with Andrea and her loyalty to the people of Woodbury and to Daryl. People are freaked out after the previous night's events and packed their cars and are trying to leave, but people on the wall won't allow them to leave and it gets rough. Andrea comes to their defense against Martinez and tells them, these people are afraid, don't treat them this way. Then they hear screaming and they find the walkers are attacking the people and Andrea starts to put them down and the town rushes to see one of their own still alive and suffering. Uh, one of the residents says, help him do something. And Andrea looks at them trying to figure out the right thing to do. And the governor doesn't say a word and walks up matter of fact and shoots the guy and turns and walks away. No empathy at all. Andrea goes to talk to the governor and asks why he killed the guy that way and that he shouldn't have done it in front of them, saying he needs to protect his people. They're scared. She later goes out and gives them something they want to hear, telling them everyone is suffering and that they are never going to be the same, but they have to stick together, dig deep, and find the strength to carry on. For a moment, it reminded me of someone running for office. Well, maybe she was trying to be Rick a little bit. <laughs> See, it ain't so easy, Andrea. Anyway, she tells them that they can rebuild their community and themselves and that they will be written in history books as a community that persevered. She's trying to give them something to hope for. She hugs the townspeople, which was pretty hysterical because I felt like she was a politician again. <laughs> Also, I felt that she was pretty loyal to Daryl and her group because she tells the governor she knows Daryl and he has to stop the gladiator fight. Of course, the governor says the people have spoken and he has no control. Yeah, right, Philip. <laughs> I agree. And I really like your point. And speaking of Daryl, I saw obviously his loyalty to his brother and to Rick and company. That's what I'm going to call them right okay. now because there's a lot of them. So... <laughs> I recognize that Merle is not the best guy, I know, but he's Daryl's brother. To some people, blood is absolutely indestructible, right? Like, it doesn't matter what they do or say. We tolerate the things family members do because they are our families. However, when strangers or even friends or coworkers do the same thing, we're instantly annoyed or frustrated. <laughs> Loyalty to family means developing and then possessing more patience too, right? Anyway, I know that some people do cut family members off. I know it's possible. But for others, like Daryl, no matter what your brother, sister, mom, or dad does, you just can't imagine life without them. They may drive you up the damn wall. But if someone was presenting an ultimatum to you, like to choose them or your new family, wouldn't you feel super conflicted? Right. Anyway, I'm just thinking, what kind of family makes you choose? What kind of family makes you feel bad for loving someone else? for wanting to try to keep the last blood relative you have in your life. And on the flip side, I totally admit 
that Merle tries to guilt Daryl about his newfound family, too. He makes snide remarks about Rick, especially. Anyway, in the zombie apocalypse, I know that Daryl has bonded with Rick and company, and of course he's grateful to them. Of course they hold a super special place in his heart. But this is his brother we are talking about. It's appalling to me that Rick and Glenn immediately expect Daryl to just leave Merle behind again. That's his brother, the one he has not seen in a year, the one he didn't know was alive until hours ago. How can they just dismiss the concept of family when they pride themselves on being this tight-knit, blended group? And who are they to tell Daryl what to do in regards to his own brother? Someone that he spent his life with pre-apocalypse as well. I think it's easy for us as viewers to judge fictional characters so easily mm-hmm. and to think that this decision would be easy and clear, right? Because we're outside looking in. Mm-hmm. However, I'm just not sure that we would do anything different from Daryl if we were in his position. Like, think about a family member who maybe gets on your nerves, who you can't be around for too long. <laughs> now, imagine you were in the apocalyptic world of The Walking Dead and you finally reunited with them after an entire year. Wouldn't you be absolutely overjoyed to have found them? Wouldn't you want to clasp onto that hope and to someone who knew you before this convoluted, unpredictable world? Some of the happiest moments of my life have just been sitting with my loved ones and talking about and just busting up laughing about past memories, like the talent show we did in fourth grade, my first prom with Jimmy, how my sister and I would memorize Bring It On's cheers and perform them for our family. (laughs) (laughs) The stories are endless. And I believe that we live on through our family and those who love us through those stories. So I totally recognize needing to grasp onto that. And I don't think Daryl's blind to who Merle is. He knows the kind of person his brother is, but he's willing to take a chance on him and with him because he is family. And I think many of us would as well, regardless of that family member's character. I totally see your point, Brittany. I also really saw Daryl's loyalty to himself, Rick, and the group. He hears a baby crying. Merle says it's the animals, but Daryl goes to investigate and sees it's a family. He decides to go and help, and Merle just doesn't understand this. Of course not. This is not his way. He wonders why Daryl would risk his life for people he doesn't know or wouldn't give him something in return. Daryl fights off and kills a majority of the walkers. Merle helps a little and then tries to steal their stuff saying they should give them some enchiladas. He's such a racist. (laughs) Daryl doesn't like that Merle is looking to steal their stuff, so he holds a crossbow to his head and tells the family to leave. So they do. And Merle is not happy that he pointed a weapon at him and starts in on Daryl saying, oh, is this something Rick taught you? (laughs) He grabs Daryl's shirt and rips it, and he sees belt or whip marks on Daryl's back. Merle says, I didn't know. And Daryl says, yes, you did. That's why you left. Merle says, I had to because I would have killed him. This is such an insight to their childhood, their dad or their father figure beating them and their mother, who smoked a lot, burned the house down with herself in it. They didn't have a good upbringing. And with Merle leaving, Daryl was left on his own and remembering this helps him to make his next move. Daryl says he's going back where he belongs. He realizes his loyalty belongs to Rick and the group. This is his family now. 
Merle says, I can't go. I almost killed that bleep bleep referring to Michonne in such a derogatory way that I can't say it. And I damn near killed that Chinese kid, meaning Glenn. Daryl corrects him and says, Korean. Merle says, whatever. I can't go with you. Daryl says, I'm the one walking away, but it's you that is leaving again. This shows Daryl's journey. He used to refer to Glenn with racial slurs and not even the right ethnicity. And here he is finally correcting Merle on what he himself used to do at one time. I am so happy with Daryl's choice for sticking up for himself and doing what he thinks is right. That's true, Diana. And I think other characters notice Daryl's loyalty too. So Beth brings up Daryl's loyalty when speaking to Carol. She says that Judith is alive because of Mm Daryl. And she says it's because he couldn't stand losing anyone else. And something Carol says struck me relating Merle to Ed and how men like that have a way of getting into your head and making you feel like you deserve that abuse. And I agree with this statement. I think that loyalty to family or anyone, when they're not good to you, can be damaging to your spirit. And yes, when people know that they have your loyalty, they can absolutely abuse it. This causes them to act with impunity, like Merle. But I also think Daryl is more independent than people think. It felt really gratifying when Carol mentions that Daryl has a code and that the world does need more men like him. I I know that Daryl eventually chooses to go back to the prison, like you said, and he recognizes that Rick and company are his family as Mm -hmm. well. (laughs) But he needed to make this decision on his own and not be forced to reconcile with it so abruptly when Rick and Glenn glibly presented him with the decision originally. You're loyal to others until they present you with a bold ultimatum, right? Then you feel stuck. You don't feel like anyone deserves your loyalty. And that's why going with Merle was the only choice that made sense at the time, because it does lead Daryl to reflect and take a look at his loyalties and his families. Daryl has faith that his family will be loyal to him and trust him in forgiving Merle, like if Merle chooses to come back with him. But Merle speaks so acrimoniously, and he doesn't have faith in their grace, especially Rick, Glenn, and Michonne. Another nickname he has for Michonne is the Nubian Queen, just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> so stupid. But what I really took away from this and what I hope we can remember when thinking about loyalty is that you can be loyal to multiple people and that loyalty comes from a place of love. It doesn't mean you're betraying anyone. Well said. <laughs> okay, Diana, what else did you notice? Well, the scene with Daryl, Merle, Rick, and Maggie meeting up with Glenn and Michonne was so intense. And I wanted to slap Merle (laughs) and all his remarks as Glenn and Michonne are yelling and asking, why is he here? You know, why is he with them and with everything that he's done? I mean, Rick and Daryl have to keep them at bay saying he's Daryl's brother. This man beat the crap out of Glenn, then threw a walker at him while he was tied to a chair. Merle put Maggie in that situation of being degraded and powerless and almost being raped by the governor so I don't blame Glenn one bit for not wanting Merle to come back with them. And he tried to kill Michonne too. He shot her. So of course Merle can't come back with them. I understand for the time being that Daryl has to go with Merle. But really, up till now, Merle has not been a good guy. I totally understand everyone's point of view. I understand that Daryl wants to be with his brother. I understand that Rick trusts and cares for Daryl and doesn't want to lose him. I understand that Glenn loves Maggie so much that she was put at harm's way to go back and get Daryl and that Glenn feels it was for nothing because 
Daryl went with his brother anyways, whose actions have been reprehensible. And they just found out that Andrea's alive, was with Michonne for the last eight or nine months, and is now with the governor. I can see how their minds are totally blown. Yeah, absolutely. So much was <laughs> happening. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> Yes, I agree. That was a really intense scene. And I noticed with Rick and his family, I know that they've struggled in the past three seasons. However, it's really bothering me how much they try to act as if they are such good-hearted, moral people and then refuse to let anybody new into their family. Families expand. They evolve. They grow. Why are they being so exclusive? If they were on their own or split up, wouldn't they want help? Or if they lost their group, wouldn't they try joining a new group? Wouldn't they want people to give them a chance at surviving? Your odds are better within a bigger group. Yes, it's more mouths to feed, and it's adding more opinions and thoughts to the mix, but you are a better, stronger group when you are more diverse and have more helping hands. I got so uncomfortable, and I cringed when Herschel said, Tyrese, if I were you, I wouldn't get too comfortable around here. And I honestly was so moved by the conversation in the open area of the prison right before this with Sasha asking about Judith and Tyrese telling Herschel about their journey leading to the prison. They were connecting over their struggles. And Sasha even says, you're the first good folk we've come across. I thought, wow, what a nice moment. These people have had it so rough. And even though they've just met, they have so much in common. They sympathize with each other and they have such good chemistry. The conversation seemed so natural, and it felt as if I was listening to old friends talking. Then, the woman is totally tainted because Herschel reminds Sasha and Tyrese that they are not a part of this family, and that the decision lies with Rick. I understand being cautious because this world has made them so, but it really makes my heart ache for the people who are out there who are just dying for one person to give them that chance, the opportunity to be set up for success rather than barely scratching the surface of just getting by every day. And I know Herschel does advocate for them later when they're making their case to Rick, but that moment is ruined by awful timing of a Lori hallucination. Quickly, I want to mention um, that Tyrese and Sasha save the group because their travel mates want to kill them and they take what they have. And I'm, I'm curious, too, why they don't want to let Tyrese and Sasha in, because Tyrese is, seems so kind and like a good person, although the other two aren't. So right. maybe that's what they're reading. I don't know. But it made me curious to know how it is in the comics. I wonder if that was part of why mm. um, they're not letting them in. But at the same time, if they did let them in that easy all the time, then we wouldn't have anything to talk about. You're right. You're right. So it's probably good to have that little tension because, you know, you're we right. Know, we know eventually Tyrese and Sasha are great people. So. Yeah. I think it just bothers me just because we put Rick and their group up on a pedestal because they are. They're really good people. Yeah. But it just bothers me that they can see clearly that these people are struggling. Mm -hmm. And Tyrese didn't fight back when Carl closed that little prison door. You I know? know, he was just like, yeah. it's cool, Sasha. Let's be grateful. 
it's good. Like, this is the best we've had it in weeks. And he really de-escalates the situation. Like, Sasha could have went crazy and, like, gotten really upset. But, yeah. you know, he just has a way of calming things down. And I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they do have really good moral compasses. So maybe they do see that with Ben and Alan. But yeah. I feel like Sasha and Tyrese are just so genuine. And right. they seem so grateful when they're talking to them, you yeah. know. And they, like, ask them about each other and they're right. very they interested do. in yes. them so i, I don't agree know. so but, but i see your point because yeah. you can't let everyone in right away but yeah. it just it poses the question certainly yeah, so. it does yeah i also was really affected by the scene with maggie and glenn mm-hmm. um this was tough watching them dealing with the aftermath of what happened to each of them at woodbury Glenn was almost beaten to death and maggie almost raped but neither could help each other and i think that powerless feeling left them feeling guilty resentful angry and full of emotions that they couldn't even name their interactions seemed so real and i would think as actors in that scene it probably felt like a very satisfying performance totally i felt like we were just a window peering in it just felt Mm -hmm. so real so i thought it was just awesome on their part definitely also um Another thing I noticed was Beth and Judith. Um, Beth mentions she always wanted a child, and mm-hmm. I love this time that she has with Judith. She is such a good caregiver and would be such a good mom. And even Sasha thinks Judith belongs to her when they first meet. Um, I also like when she teaches Maggie, her older sister, mm-hmm. how to feed the baby. I think this was just a really sweet moment. I think so, too. And I liked that because it was also a way for Beth to calm Maggie down and have Maggie focus on something else. So that was really nice. Yeah, I liked it. Me too. And lastly, I noticed that, and I've noticed this consistently throughout the past three seasons, and I appreciate that it's consistent about Andrea. She is a straight shooter when speaking to people. When she first learned of the gladiator fights, I think the governor, actually, I'm going to call him Philip. His name's Philip. Um, <laughs> so he says, oh, it's a release. And she says, going for a run is a release. You're having full-on gladiator fights. Uh-huh. And when she speaks to him, she is just so clear. Like, she calls people's bullshit out right away. And I appreciate that because as the viewer, you're thinking, you're really going to buy that? And she's just very clear-minded when she speaks to people. So I think it's great. And when she speaks to Philip about Daryl, she says, my friends are alive and we're shooting at each other. She just has a way of stating things so clearly. And she doesn't let anyone bullshit their way out of a conversation. She magnifies the truth in any situation. And I find Andrea exasperating sometimes, you know, not my favorite character all the time. But I truly appreciate how she clearly magnifies the truth and irony in most situations. Once she gathers the facts of a story puts it together right away, and is very matter-of-fact. And I think we need characters like Andrea for this reason. Okay, Diana, it's time for Why We Love Rick. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he loves hard, he cares hard, and he can go a little crazy (laughs) and then come back and be present. So, he cares for Daryl and wants him to stay with the group. When Daryl says he's going with Merle... Rick goes to talk with him. He says that there has to be another way. And Daryl says, don't ask me to leave him. Rick says, we started something last night. Rick looks like he's going to really lose something. And it's hard for him to let go of people he cares for. 
Then when he hallucinates about Lori and he finally catches up to the vision of her and walks up so slowly, she turns and touches his face and he exhales. It is so heart-wrenching. You can really feel how much he misses Lori and how much this loss is affecting him. Then we see Rick is definitely losing it. But when they are attacked by the governor and his men, he kicks it into gear and fights. One of the last moments is the look on his face, and it looks like he is out for blood. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you love Rick, Brittany? I love Rick because he knows that his hallucinations aren't real of Lori, but he's still grappling with seeing her. So like you said, he's grieving. And thank you, Beth, for letting us know it's been barely a week since we lost Lori. I love when writers do this to Mm -hmm. remind the audience of how little or much time has passed in a few episodes. And that's a really good reminder we need with The Walking Dead. Anyway, I love that he acknowledges that his hallucinations have to mean something. And even though it doesn't make sense, it could make sense. He's mumbling around, gone to crazy town, as Glenn (laughs) says. But he has some coherence to the insanity of it all. So even when he's losing it, Rick is really trying his best to find the purpose and look beyond it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, Diana, so what are you currently watching? Well, let's start with Fear the Walking Dead, Season 4, Episode 4, Buried. And these are spoilers if you're not up to date on Fear the Walking Dead, so skip ahead a few minutes if you want to not be spoiled. Um, I am really liking these episodes. I mean, Al is great, and I love how she is so dedicated to getting people's stories, and I thought using this to tell the story worked really well. I still wonder where Madison is at. Mm -hmm. I keep wondering if she is dead. Why do they say that if that day hadn't happened, when they all made decisions to return to the ballpark, that Nick would be alive? I feel like Nick goes off the deep end because something occurs with Madison. And it's killing me that we don't know. So that is really good storytelling. Um, I'm glad that we figured out Naomi was Laura and that John found that white gun that belongs to Laura and Naomi. Next week seems to concentrate on their story, so I'm excited to see that. I also notice the new intro music. It's different than previous episodes. I don't know if you noticed that, too. Previous seasons. Oh, I think sorry, it's sorry. been Previ- yeah. I meant previous seasons, mm-hmm. yes, not episodes. Yes, I did notice that. Um, the whole feel of all the episodes is just really different. It's different. I mean, and you it's, know, a, it's good different. Yeah, no, I like it. it. I, don't really I, like it. I like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just happy that we found out that Naomi was John's Laura. Sometimes I feel like shows kind of make you wait a little more for things like that mm-hmm. when they drop the hint of, oh, yeah, she had a stand, that white gun like me. And I just was thinking, when are we going to meet her? Or when are we going to know who it is? But I'm mm-hmm. really happy that they told us this early in the season. Thank God they clarified right away that she's dead rather than beating around the bush when Dory asks where she is. Mm-hmm. And It always makes me wonder, though, when people say someone's dead and mm. we haven't seen it as an audience member. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, is she really dead? Or you just think she is? Because maybe they think Madison is dead. And right. maybe they think she's dead. Mm-hmm. And maybe they aren't dead. Yeah. So, I don't know. It could but, be. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the 
storytelling of the characters to Al's camera feels very meta, and I'm super into mm-hmm. it. So it's a good episode. On the flip side, I have a few issues with the show right now. First of all, Alicia talks about her mom. Why is Al's question not, oh, so where's your mom right now? Oh, so how did you get separated? Oh, is your mom alive? I find it really hard to believe that Al is a reporter, and she wouldn't think to expand on that. I also wish Alicia had more personality. I feel like she was so much sassier and, like, full of just herself in season one. Maybe that's something to be said about what the apocalypse does to you, but she just has a blank stare 24-7. Now, this actress is good. I'm not saying it's her, but it's just the character's so bland. She's like a robot. What also really bothers me is this whole vultures thing sitting outside of the stadium. I don't understand what Mel thinks he can get out of this. He's just going to wait for Madison's group to go through all the food. And then what? What's the point? He's going to take over a baseball stadium with no food or supplies. He thinks Madison's 72 stadium members will just waltz out and say, hey, enjoy. See ya. That makes zero sense. I totally agree. I don't get it either. Drives me insane. Of course, I think they're not giving us all the pieces. So, you know. Right. And why are they just letting them sit out there? I know Mm -hmm. Madison's all about peace right now and it's fine, Mm -hmm. but they don't seem to be a lot of them. Yeah. Kill them. Oh my god, so it just boggles my mind. Anyway, I just think that whole logic is a waste of time and energy for Mel. I think the one thing I really don't like is when shows do different filters to show you that it's a flashback versus Mm -hmm. the real time. Mm -hmm. It's like a brown, sepia, dark, or light green, blue, and it's just not fun to watch for me. And my eyes kind of hurt when it's on that for a long period of time. Maybe people like that to distinguish between flashbacks and current time, but I'm pretty sure you can guess what's a flashback when mm-hmm. a when a character is dead. So, Nick is dead. If he's in the story, then that's a flashback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up <laughs> to audiences. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, what else are you watching? Well, I am just going to talk about Roseanne for a few minutes here. Okay. The episode was called Go Cubs. And it was interesting, and I wasn't sure how people were going to take it. It is dealing with legal and illegal immigration. And Roseanne thinks her Muslim neighbors might be a sleeper cell full of terrorists because they have a bunch of fertilizer and might blow up something. Dan loses a bid for a job to illegals underbidding him. And since he lost that job, they can't pay their bills. And one of those bills is the internet bill. Their granddaughter is upset because she is waiting on a Skype call from her military mother in Afghanistan. So Roseanne and Jack tried to use their neighbor's Wi-Fi but can't figure out the password. It's 2 a.m. and they go to their neighbors with a bat in hand. After some conversation, Roseanne realizes that her neighbors are just like her, dealing with fears and their family and just trying to get by. The neighbors give her the password to the Wi-Fi, which is Go Cubs. Next day at the supermarket, Fatima, the neighbor, is trying to buy groceries with her EBT card, but it doesn't have enough funds. And the cashier makes a snide remark about how American citizens are paying for that card. Roseanne ends up paying for the groceries with her card, and the cashier asks Roseanne if she is going to help her carry her groceries out to her camel. Mm. Fatima leaves and Roseanne tells the cashier that she is ignorant and that she doesn't know what that woman is going through and is twice the person she will ever be. 
That night, the husband comes over and gives Roseanne the money for the groceries and Roseanne asks him if he had to come over at 2 a.m. And he smiles and says, yes. <sighs> I wasn't sure how this episode was going to be perceived, but the LA Times says it was meant to ruffle feathers. And it did, ultimately redeeming itself by Roseanne's ignorance being the butt of the joke. I am really liking all the shows and I'm glad that she is sparking conversations. So... I'm glad they were renewed for a second season, and I look forward to the future episodes. What are you currently watching, Brittany? I am watching... So Dear White People came out with season two. It's great. Everyone should watch it. It's pretty funny and so relevant. Anyway, I'm also watching Silicon Valley. I am caught up on season five now. This show is so funny. (laughs) I die laughing every time. And it's the same stress I have when watching Shameless because you see these characters with so much potential get into such shitty situations, but they manage to always come out on top somehow or just come out okay. It's a great cast, phenomenal writing, and I'm never disappointed with an episode. I'm never bored and it feels so relevant to the lives of our students (laughs) that they want to lead after they graduate. So I thought that was cute. And then movies, I watched Karl Marx City. So Basically, this woman visits her hometown in eastern Germany. It's a town called Chemnitz, and this is a documentary. So she's searching for answers about her father, who killed himself a decade after the fall of communism and the Berlin Wall. And this is a pretty chilling look into the time of the Stasi, East Germany's secret police. So I actually really recommend that. I also watched Other Life. It is a Australian science fiction thriller about a co-founder of a company who has created a biological virtual reality where a few minutes in real time can equal a year or two in virtual time. And obviously something goes wrong with her creation. So we're left dealing with that. I also watched Boki. It is another science fiction movie. Are you surprised? (laughs) So this couple goes to Iceland for vacation, and then one day they wake up and they are literally the last people on Earth. It's wild. They grapple with trying to find answers and coming to terms with the question, is life worth it, even if you only have each other? And lastly, I watched Ark. It is another science fiction film. (laughs) So it's a roller coaster of sci-fi this week. (laughs) Robbie Amell from The Flash and Rachel Taylor from Jessica Jones star in this. They play ex-lovers who are trying to protect this time-looping machine, the Ark, from the wrong kind of people. It didn't get the best reviews, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I like the premise and they had good chemistry together. Awesome. Watched a lot of movies in mm-hmm. a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And you watch a lot of documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's great. I don't know. I've been really into history and science fiction lately, and I feel like they mesh really well together. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right, Diana, it is time for, and the award goes to, what was your favorite character, quote, or moment this week? Well, I have a toss-up. I love Daryl and Herschel in these episodes. Daryl, because of all the things I already talked about, he helped out perfect strangers and could have been killed, and he did it because he heard a baby cry. Maybe he thought of Judith if she were at, were in that situation and hoping somebody would help her if she needed it. Or maybe it triggered something in his childhood and he wanted to help someone so innocent because no one was there for him. I don't know, but he has such a good heart and he has 
a lot of love and loyalty to this group, and he just makes a leap of faith. He doesn't know if they will have his back like he has theirs, but he's willing to jump and commit to them. I really love Herschel in these episodes too. I think he is the glue and he really tries to rein people in and guide them to make good decisions. He tells Glenn, you are like a son to me. And he tells Maggie, don't disappear. And then he has his talks with Rick. I just think that he is really special and he is one of my most favorite people in The Walking Dead. Definitely. What about you? Who does your award go to? Um, yeah, Herschel. You know, I, love, I was cracking up when he says, you know, I wouldn't have hobbled all the way down here if it wasn't important when he goes to Dr. Rick. I just thought that was so funny. But I also just kept laughing when Rick says, I got stuff out here. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and Herschel says, he's like, just brushes it off. He says, how much longer do you need? Is there anything I can help you with? He's so soothing, reposeful, and grandfatherly. There's two thoughts I came away with from the scene. One is that there's no correct way to grieve or right amount of time for things to be okay again. It's not like you can say, oh, it's been two months. I'm okay now. I won't ever cry or be sad about this again. And the second thing is that when you're grieving, you need people like Herschel available to you. And I say available because maybe you can't have them around you yet. And the hard part of this, but also the magnificent part, is that we don't choose friends based on this criteria. We don't say, hey, how will you be when I lose a loved one, right? Like, that's not how you decide to be someone's friend. Most of the time, valuable friends rise to the occasion and reveal themselves when they need it, when we need it most and least expect it. That's so cliche, but in my post-collegiate years and losing my own grandpa recently, I have found that the people like Herschel who give you the time and space to grieve are undeniably crucial in putting ourselves back together. For sure. <laughs> so that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you, gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday and the next show will be on season three, episodes 11 and 12. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye.